Is this where the music's going to come in this week? No. Later? Or earlier? Later. Hey, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Elliot. And I'm Audrey. And this is the podcast where we ignore the very good conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes, and instead get to know the people they really were. It is indeed. And this is also the podcast where we put up super scientific Instagram polls and Twitter polls (laughs) to figure out how to make this podcast better for y'all. Oh, yes. And this week... 20 of you answered. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> so, Elliot, you and I were going back and forth. Yeah, we had a vicious argument about this. This is not true. This this was not one of the vicious arguments we've had this week. <laughs> it was a conversation. And so last week, you had like big work deadlines, which meant that I ended up not only editing, but also mastering the yes. podcast. And I have never mastered the podcast before. And so if you noticed a precipitous drop in quality last week, (laughs) you are welcome. But one thing that came from that is that I edited the intro and outro music differently than you do. Yes. And we're not going to say, we're not going to necessarily assume automatically worse or just bad. You're not assuming, you're implying. No, nobody, I'm not, those aren't my words. It's the tone. It's a tonal implication. (laughs) Well, if you want to suggest that, that's on you. So anyway, we decided to ask you, when you hear the outro music, do you stop the podcast for most podcasts or do you keep listening? The vast majority of you said that you stop listening. And I said, oh, that's a bummer because we've been asking folks to rate, review, share a podcast, let us know what you like, tell us where we can send some swag. And people have been missing that. And so this is our opportunity before, like a full 40 minutes before the outro music comes (laughs) to say, hey, if you like our podcast, it would be super neat if you would give us a little rating, couple sentence review. And if you feel so kind as to leave a review, email or DM us a screenshot of that review and we will be happy to physically mail you actual in real life stickers or magnets. Do we have magnets yet? We will by the time this podcast Exciting. Airs. Yeah. To your actual physical self. We will. And if, yeah, so. Free. For the it. low, low price of three or four sentences. And it doesn't even have to be a good review. We've oh, never wait. specified. Uh, uh, I'm <laughs> specifying. Listen, not shit to a boss. We miss you. Pour one <laughs> yes. out. I would not be sending you stickers. Yes. So speaking of rating, reviewing, and subscribing, you want to hear about this week's hero? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. Let's. Let's do an actual podcast. Who is this week's hero? This week's hero is Alfred Nobel. What do you know about Mr. Alfred Nobel? So I feel like I kind of have a leg up here. I I know a little bit about Alfred Nobel. Yeah, your um, repeated talking about him on this podcast is actually what inspired this week's episode. And it is absolutely 100% coincidental that the Nobel Prize winners have been announced this week. Well, so you say coincidental. What our listeners don't actually know is that we're actually playing 40 chess and we have a secret source within the Nobel Prize committees that gave (laughs) us the heads up that this is going to be happening. And so 
don't be too humble here. This is your exclusive Nobel Prize Announcement Week podcast content you've been waiting for. Oh, yes. That's who I'm on the horn with every day, (laughs) the Nobel Prize Committee. But yeah, so we're going to talk about Alfred Nobel. I want to make sure that even though we're going to discuss some of the less than stellar things that came as a result of Nobel's work, that doesn't detract from actual Nobel Prize winners because there are so many who have made really amazing contributions. And I'm sure the number of folks announced this week have improved the world in some demonstrable way. Yeah, there have also been those who have made very questionable contributions to the world. Oh, yes. If you'll check some of our former episodes. Indeed. We're going to talk about those. So there's, yeah. yeah, there's Alfred Nobel himself, and then there's sort of like the scandal of the Nobel Prize. Oh, the scandal of it. Mm-hmm. Some of them are real assholes, aren't they? Turns out. So for this week, I wanted to make sure that I uh, cited our sources. We've been hit or miss about that. Oh, we're starting that. Okay. I mean, I just feel like I like to make it happen when I remember. And I remembered, and I think it's important because this is not original research. So the uh, ever-academic Wikipedia, sunsigns.org, oh, no. <laughs> livescience.com, History.com, NewYorkTimes.com, Vox.com, and Britannica.com. It's where I got all of this information. If you check our show notes, you will find no links to any of these. Nope. (laughs) I am not that put together. We are barely holding it together every week to just get this episode out. Um, Okay, so Alfred Nobel, born October 21st, 1833. That's the last day of Libra season. Oh, which we happen to be in the thick of. Deep in the thick of. Although, I'll tell you what. This year, I really feel like Libra season has been robbed. This feels like we skipped straight ahead to Scorpio season. None of this is a Libra vibe. I will tell you that. It's not Libra vibing out there. Mm -mm. Anyway, so being a Libra born on October 21st. This person is social and loyal. While others may prefer to be alone, they thrive in a social setting. They're energized by others and enjoy to share their th- enjoy sharing their thoughts and feelings. They're good at talking and writing down their thoughts. And although they may not be aware of it at the time, their pronouncements will make a lasting impact on those around them. Some of that is true. Okay. Born in Stockholm, Sweden, he's the third son of eight children. His father was an inventor and engineer, and he was not good at it. Very unsuccessful at first. Oh, Alfie's Alfie's father was not a good inventor? Not at first, yeah. Really struggled to make ends meet. So in 1837, when Alfred is four, he, the father, just him, moved to St. Petersburg, Russia. And that is the place that he had his first success as an inventor. But he left the eight kids behind. You know, I think eight would be, I'm doing some fast math here, because Alfred was third of eight, and he was born only four years earlier. So I think there were some later. Got it. I think. But he left the kids. He's like, "Uh, Mm -hmm. yes. see y'all later. Yep. He goes to Russia, and he helps build torpedoes. That's like his big thing. Oh. He starts to build some tools that actually like later allow for the production of um, plywood. So Interesting. His father has some lasting impacts on the world. Tree shaving, I'm mm. assuming. Um, 
I think it's like the compressor bit. Oh, okay. But okay. Listen, I was researching Alfred, not Alfred's father, whose name I didn't even write down. Well, let's talk about plywood for a minute. <laughs> yes. Meet your plywood, <laughs> the, the new podcast series from the host of Meet Your Heroes. His father spends five years in Russia alone, but by 1842, he has made enough money to bring his whole family to Russia. So all the kids and his wife, and he's actually like very successful, has a substantial amount of money. Before then, the kids had attended like one year of school. And um, when they moved to Russia, suddenly they had private tutors and Alfred and his brothers, they take off. They're super smart really committed. They, one person noted that they thrived under the, quote, strict tutelage of the Russian academic model. Oh, okay. What? Mm -hmm. I feel like that gives you a glimpse into who they were as children. And Uh, Wait, meaning mm -hmm. that they thrived like when when there was someone there to like uh, physically impose order on them if they Mm -hmm. weren't studying? Yeah, but I think they actually really liked it. So like, by the time um, Alfred is 18, he speaks five different languages. He is writing what? poetry. He enjoys science and engineering. In fact, he was actually such a good writer that his father sent him away to go study with scientists because he did not want a poet in the family. Oh, he was scared he would become a poet. Mm-hmm. Like like many of the fathers we have found on the <laughs> Your Heroes. <laughs> This is a no-poet zone for the fathers of our heroes. Mm-hmm. Throughout his young adulthood, uh, Alfred's father is building up this business. It's focused a lot around explosives and gunpowder and, like, torpedoes. Wait, say that again? At the time, it's the Crimean War, so mm-hmm. they're helping build up armaments. Okay, so so they're building military stuff. Mm-hmm. The plywood contribution was, like, a side effect of this, but he's he's mostly focused on weapons. Yeah, I mean, they are a um, polyglot's not the right word. Polyglot means you speak a lot of languages, I think. Ooh, I thought it meant you cared about a lot of different subjects. Oh, uh, Renaissance people? Sure. They they had a lot of interest in terms of inventing and engineering. Okay. They were promiscuous thinkers. Yes. That's exactly how I would say it. (laughs) I thought so. I'm going to put that on some swag. They're promiscuous thinkers. I like this. That, w- that would be a pretty good sticker, a little die cut sticker. Mm-hmm. I like it. Anyway, so the father, inventing a whole bunch of stuff, not going to have no poet son, sends him <laughs> to Paris. There he meets um, Asanio Sobrero. And this is a person who had invented nitroglycerin just three years prior. So at this point, it's the 1850s. Sobrero himself strongly opposed the use of nitroglycerin because it was unpredictable. It exploded all the time. Yeah, this is like the thing in cartoons, like Tom and Jerry cartoons, where like they drop it on the floor and it just explodes everywhere. Is that a thing in Tom and Jerry cartoons? Did you not watch Tom and Jerry cartoons? Maybe, well, no, maybe I'm thinking of like Roadrunner cartoons. But like the thing in like old cartoons where like you drop nitroglycerin on the floor and it explodes. Wow, that is a new image in my mind. Really? Yeah. Um, had never... Some of us grew up watching cartoons in the 1940s, <laughs> and thank you very much. You're right. You're right. It, it's a thing. It has a reputation as being comically explosive. Nobel, on the other hand, was like, I am going to figure out how to harness the power of nitroglycerin because it's way stronger than gunpowder. My dad likes explosives. 
I need something to do. And I ain't no poet. And I ain't no poet. So by this point, it's the 1850s. Nobel has his grubby little mitts on some nitroglycerin. Mm-hmm. The Crimean War ends. The family goes bankrupt. Wait, bankrupt after all that? They had like transformed all of their factories and their work into making stuff for the war. And when it ended, they just didn't have a, a business anymore. Man, if only they had just been able to spend some of their money on lobbying politicians to ensure <laughs> that they stayed in a perpetual state of war. <sighs> By the way, we are still in a war that was started over, what, 20, no, almost 20 years ago? 15, 17? What was it, 2003? We are 17 years at war? Mm-hmm. Perpetually? Yes. Take a lesson from us, Nobel. If you just spend your money on politicians instead, you don't have to end the wars and they keep going. So the war ends and Alfred and his family return to Sweden from Russia. <laughs> this is where Alfred took up figuring out how to work with nitroglycerin in earnest. 1863, picture it. He has invented this special detonator. And then, as is want to happen. Wait, wait. He's invented the special detonator? Mm-hmm, for this nitroglycerin. Is this, by any chance, the box with a big metal stick that's shaped like a T that comes out of it? Like if I have to talk about cartoons for one more <laughs> fucking second on this podcast, it's over. Okay. I am going to go find a new co-host, and I will be starting Meet Your Plywood, and you <laughs> can't stop me. <laughs> uh, I don't know what this detonator looks like. He made a detonator. Got it. Made a detonator. Unfortunately, when you keep a shed full of explosives, things go wrong. And on September 3rd, 1864, a shed that they used for the preparation of nitroglycerin exploded. Yikes. It killed five people, including his brother. His brother? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. And this really fucked up Alfred for a while. Well, things did not go well for a bit. Yeah, I mean, because it's kind of your fault. It doesn't stop him, though. He decides that instead of keeping the shed close to the factory, what he's going to do is he's going to spread it out. He's going to move the factory and the explosives way out into the country. This also did not work. So he's like toiling away, trying to find a way to make nitroglycerin safe. And one of the experiments in these factories that he made, uh, ended up with this product that he called, quote, blasting oil. Blasting oil. Picture this. He thinks this is less explosive. He mixes nitroglycerin and gunpowder. Fun. This then blows up another 15 people. Oh, shit. Body counts up to 20. But finally... In 1867, he figures out that if you mix nitroglycerin with diamaceous earth, it is both stable enough chemically, and it's physically very easy to manipulate. Wait, you you just said diamaceous earth? Yeah, it's like um like mud. It's like mud. Mud. Ish. Diamaceous mud. Okay. 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 <laughs> it is. Come here it for is the like real a, insights into history. That's right. <laughs> it's like a waxy substance that he mixes okay. with nitroglycerin, and he is then able to like shape it. It is much more stable. It doesn't explode unless it is lit with like a wick. Mm. And so what he does is he takes this little mixture, shapes it in tiny little sticks, lights it with a wick, 
calls this motherfucker dynamite. You don't say. He names it after the Greek word dunamis, which means power. There is some debate about Nobel's intention with making dynamite. Well, it seems like his first intention was to stop blowing people up with nitroglycerin. <laughs> that is a good short game. Yes. <laughs> that is a very good short game. Ostensibly, the longer game is that then people could just like blow up chunks of the earth with it. So miners. Like mining? People building railroads. Okay. So mm-hmm. two things. One, that might be a more credible story if he hadn't come from a long family of weapons merchants. So there we go. Right? Like where his whole family fortune had been made mm-hmm. with, with selling weapons to kill people. Yes. And then he had lost that and was desperate to make money again to supplement. And then like, oh, I just so happened to come up with this other thing that could explode. There we go. Uh, the second thing I have to say is how could he not very clearly foresee the use case with Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner. <laughs> oh, because... it's over. So, <laughs> hey, friends listening to podcast, this is the straw that broke my marriage's back. It's over. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's right there. Mm-hmm. How could you not see it coming? How could you not see it? I don't know. So, you are exactly right. He markets this at first for miners, people doing construction. It really does revolutionize those businesses. Um, but like Can I, two d- days later. Yeah. So just on mining, right? Like mm-hmm. one note here. This is happening around the same time as the uh, popularization of the steam engine. Mm-hmm. One thing I heard that was kind of crazy to me is that before the steam engine and dynamite. Yes. For the billions of earth, billions of years the earth had existed before that. Mm-hmm. And for the hundreds of thousands of years that you have people on the earth. Every single thing that had been done or moved, any work that had been accomplished on Earth was done by muscle power. Yes. And at this moment, mm-hmm. you go from mining with muscle power to mining with explosions. And that sounds like a major improvement if your job was previously to shovel stuff out of the ground. Absolutely. This makes him fantastically wealthy, like wealthier than anybody up to this point in the history of like the industrialized world. He would be the, like, Jeff Bezos of the blowing people up <laughs> Yes, in the 1800s community, right? Gets so wealthy. Militaries all around the world come knocking. Obviously, a lot of his wealth comes from the fact that he has these patents, but mm-hmm. he also sets up a network of factories all around Europe to create these products. So he's patented this. This is like, can't make dynamite without him agreeing to it. Yes. By the end of his life, he has some 355 patents. Yikes. Okay. And a large chunk of those involve iterations of dynamite. Yeah. Way different ways to explode stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, you know, he comes from a family that has been involved in weapons creation for many years. But a lot of these little write-ups about his life make it a point, and I don't know if this is accurate for the time or part of his cleanup crew, but they make it a point to say that, like, he was kind of a pacifist and he wasn't really into war. He thought, like, the best use of dynamite in war would be to end wars, kind of... Einstein-esque in his atomic bomb. Yeah, I mean, that seems super convenient. He never marries. 
there's no evidence he had any female relationships. He had like one female friendship with this woman who would later inspire the Peace Prize. Interesting. In a second. But he, they call him like Europe's richest vagabond. He's traveling around, setting up these factories, selling his shit. And uh, he lives very simply. Not, he's not, uh, I'll tell you what, he is not Degas' new money cane collection. Oh, interesting. Not mm-hmm. springing for the new ivory canes with the mahogany inlets, no? He's not. And then something sort of life-changing, on top of all the other life-changing things, happens to Alfred in 1888. His brother Ludwig dies. And through some journalistic error slash who the fuck knows what happened. Sure. Instead of Ludwig's obituary being written, journalists write Alfred's. Interesting. Probably a more interesting obituary if he's the dynamite guy. Well, this is when Alfred learns that everybody fucking hates him. (laughs) That will do it. One French newspaper's obituary branded him, quote, the merchant of death who had grown rich by developing new ways to mutilate and kill and finding ways to kill people faster than ever before. Harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. There is some debate to the validity of whether or not this obituary existed, but it isn't enough of the documentation that at some point something like this happened. Something like this happened, yeah. Alfred is surprised that this is how people are thinking of him. Well... So it sounds like for as much uh, insight into inventions as he might have had, didn't necessarily have a lot of self-awareness. He did not. And he decides like, okay, so I have all this money. I'm responsible for helping people blow up a lot of folks. I want to do something so that this is not my legacy. My legacy will be something other than this. Wait, so interesting. So... Mr. Nobel is going to try to come up with something else to be his legacy besides mm-hmm. inventing this new way to kill people? He is. Mm. He establishes a trust that would later become the money for the Nobel Prize. He writes a series of wills that are deposited at different like safe deposit box all around Europe. Can't be too careful. The last one in Paris, his family gets there and opens the will realizes he has left basically none of his money to them <laughs> that <laughs> he has move. established. Solid move. Right, like all the other ones were like his businesses, who mm-hmm. was going to get this intellectual property, etc. They get to the last one. He's got just obscene amounts of money, and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? Give this to scientists in perpetuity. Uh, fun, 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 fun. Family can't do anything about it. No, <laughs> yeah. Right? Later in his sort of like these biographies about him, his personality is described as complex. They said that he had enormous energy and like almost obsessive behavior when it came to inventing. But he was also a recluse who experienced bouts of depression. Like I said, he lived simply, but he was courteous, a good listener, and had incisive wit. For what it's worth, he was also vehemently opposed to women's suffrage. Oh, fun, fun. (laughs) And I mention all this to say that basically no one knew him. They didn't know him in life, and they didn't know him in death. And so this entire ability to sort of like fabricate your legacy, 
apart from the technical bits of like, oh, invented dynamite, was something he was able to do, right? Like when we do this research, you would say what, like Wikipedia pages for folks, if you printed them off, would be what, six, seven pages? Yeah, generally. This was like a page and a half. It was like born, studied, dynamite, dead. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there's a little bit of speculation about why the Nobel Prize actually exists. The logical conclusion is he didn't want to be associated with being the merchant of death. And instead, because he had all this money, he could buy this noble Nobel legacy. Interesting. Yeah. Do you know the categories for the Nobel Prize? Um, I know some of them. There's only five, surprisingly. Okay, so, so wait, can I try this? Hit me with it. I like quizzes. Okay. Uh, I like trivia, actually. Sure. Okay. So there's literature. Yes. Math. Nope. Nope. Chemistry. Mm-hmm. Literature, chemistry. I'm thinking of the field's metal for math. Um, physics. Yes. Peace. Yes. Not economics for number five, because economics is a trick one. It Thank is you very a trick much one. for my economics uh, degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the fifth one actually is, though. It's physiology at the time, but what now it's time? medicine. Okay, okay, that makes mm-hmm. sense. That makes yes. sense. Yes. So all of those, the, you know, the science ones, he loved science. The fifth one, this Peace Prize, is by far the most well-known, the most controversial, and the most political. Yes. It was political in its creation, and it remains the most political. This woman I mentioned, (laughs) singular female friendship, uh, was with this Austrian pacifist named Bertha von Suttner, who at one point was a short-term secretary for him. Okay. And she helped sort of solidify in his mind through correspondence years later that his legacy could be about peace if he, like, allocated his resources properly. Interesting. And As so... A, like, in direct contradiction to a legacy of war. It is It is a direct... So what's... It's like a carbon tax. Yeah. It's, it's so funny, right? Like, if you say Nobel, people think, like, Nobel Peace Prize immediately. It's It's been so effective. It turns out if you just have what the, whatever the equivalent of is, like, $50 billion, you, too, can rewrite your history. <laughs> you can! Yes, you too can offset your body count with enough money. Yeah, fun. Mm-hmm. So he dies uncontroversially. He's not well for a while. He has heart problems. Family's pissed at the will. Family's pissed at the will. But that's the end of his life. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about just some of the sort of criticism of the Nobel Prizes and why they're controversial. Okay. The first reason is that the nomination and selection process, as we have talked about on multiple podcasts at this point, are both secretive and, uh, I mean, I guess secretive and um, opaque. Yes. People don't know who is nominated. They seal every nomination for 50 years. Yes, yes. Although we do happen to know that Donald Trump's nominations have been fraudulent. Yes. <laughs> These folks run in their mouth. I'm telling you, that's part of it. You, When there is a an opaque system, you can corrupt it. Yeah, very. Yeah, explicitly fraudulent in that case. It's a fun yes. story. We'll get uh, later off topic. Exactly. You know what? I'll tell you what. He's not alive or he's alive now in three or four weeks when we come back to do a podcast. <laughs> Let's see if we can loop back around to Donald Trump. Let's see. Let's see. See how he's doing then. 
Um, but yeah, so incredibly secretive. The criteria are basically only known to the judges. The judge selection, maybe not the, again, most straightforward. People don't know. It's like people at the top of their field. But not only do you have to nominate and then sort of campaign for your nominations, to be on the Nobel Selection Committee is There's even a whole, a whole other thing. layer of politics where yes. people have to nominate you and then lobby for you. Yes. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And as you could imagine, because of the lack of transparency associated with the nomination process, it has lent itself to being very Eurocentric, mm-hmm. sexist, racist, classist. Uh, it has perpetuated stereotypes in a lot of ways that like the genius of the world is a rich, wealthy white man. Mm. Problematic. Reinforcing all of the systems that put the people in place, put the money in place, first of all, right? Like, mm-hmm. Right. The explicit like force of the of of the effort to earn the money to like make this award. And then on yes. top of that, all of the things that allowed this award to exist and perpetuate all of the same people who were friends with Nobel or who knew Nobel to like continue to give it. Absolutely. And the campaigning for individuals, like we talked about last week in the Neruda episode, that there was someone campaigning for him. Oh, for years and years and years. Yes. It is about who you know getting in front of this committee over and over and over again. I mean, I can't imagine there's like real negative campaigning, but there's pressure. In addition to that... There's a Vox.com article called How the Nobel Prize Became the Most Controversial Award on Earth. And it points to the second bit of controversy regarding this award, which is that it cannot be rescinded after someone has won it. Interesting. And you cannot be dead to win it. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You, it, it is never given posthumously. So mm-hmm. even if like, so in the case, I know this from... Um... The one guy who died like three days before. Yes. What's yes. his name? What's his name? I can't remember, but he it was for medicine and he died three days before. And the committee was like, oh, no. Sorry about that. Uh-oh. It's always given to someone who's alive, which means after they win the award, they continue living and continue doing human things. Which what could go wrong? In a lot of cases is very shitty. For example, mm-hmm. the top two that come to mind, the de facto leader of Myanmar. Yes. Well, so let's be clear. Burma, because Myanmar is the name from the occupying forces at this point, essentially. Yes. yes. Uh, Aung San Suu Kyi. Yes. Won a Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, she did. Orchestrated genocide. Yes, she did. My man, President Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Won it in his first term. Yep. Definitely bombed a whole lot of children the following five years. Bombed a lot of people. Yeah. It's messy. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple other controversies just to, like, wrap up this section. Yeah, Malala, what the fuck is she about to do? Nobody knows. I am getting a lawyer. <laughs> you still don't find that joke funny. <laughs> First, you're going to insult a child <laughs> activist. Talk so much about cartoons. You know I hate cartoons. I do, I do. This is the worst. No, this is not, this is not the worst fight we've had this week. <laughs> other controversies include... How limited the categories are. They've never changed. Uh, There's only five. They rename physiology to medicine more broadly, but that's about it. Sure. Yes. But people are like, hey, um, what about environmental science? Climate change folks might deserve an award of the Nobel category. 
What about arts or music? They all have their own category of awards, but so do all of these other studies. What's the word I'm looking for? Not industries. Disciplines. Disciplines, yes. So do all of these other disciplines. Additionally, there are people who receive the awards are dead and have been on our podcast, so we know they're not ideal. Mother Teresa, Winston Churchill, Neruda. You know, it's it's not a perfect award, but it gets held up as this award that essentially, for all intents and purposes, erases all of the bad stuff someone does. It becomes the epithet or the epitaph, the line on their tombstone. Mm-hmm. Nobel Peace Prize Award winner Mother Teresa. Nobel Prize winner Winston Churchill. People hear that and it has so much credibility that they don't dig in further to what that could mean or what that person's life could have been other than that award. And let me just say, hearing the story of Nobel, that is like the most, the single most effective cleanup crew that I could imagine. Because not only did he manage to rehabilitate his own personal image where his name was synonymous (laughs) with all of these glorious things, but like so much so that using his name to like you know, give a secular canonization of some other person who's done a lot of shitty stuff erases their own mistakes. Like, isn't that wild? It is the it is the pinnacle, the pinnacle of erasing the messy actual history of someone's life and instead treating them as if they are this idealized version of themselves. Oh, yes. It's not only the pinnacle. It is the literal Manifestation? Uh, A manifestation of that, yes. So, you know, because this award was created to serve as the counterbalance to the invention of one of the single most deadly inventions of all time, Alfred Nobel is not my hero. Yeah, mine neither, but credit where credit is due, pretty sneaky. You know, he might be a, the original scammer. Yeah, it's like, a it's a good scam. It is. It's a it's it's a cush gig if you can get it. Yes, I'll tell you what. <laughs> that it is. Ugh. If anybody else is interested in our cush gig, where can they find us? They're listening now. Please share with your friends. Is this where the music's going to come in this week? No. Later. Or earlier? Later. Oh, we're still talking? No music? No music. Wow, what a treat. Okay, so folks are still listening. Don't turn off yet. You have found the podcast. Share it with a friend. Rate, review if you feel so inclined. Um, Or find us on social media, at Your Heroes Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Until next week. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Bye. Bye.